0: Welcome to the Diversify Business Show with Eric Lindsay. Here at Diversify, you will learn how to successfully operate a business while having W-2 income or very minimal amounts of time. Experts will provide you with actionable and up-to-date strategies that will help you operate a profitable business. Here at the Diversify Business Show, we choose to focus on financial security, not job security. Today, we are here with Jefferson Lilly. Jefferson is a mobile home park investment expert and educator. He is the founder of Park Avenue Partners, a private equity real estate fund that acquires and operates mobile home parks nationwide. His investment funds are returning between 10 to 15% IRRs to limited partners, both personally and through his partnerships. Jefferson has acquired 43 mobile home parks in 15 states since 2007, totaling over $81 million in value. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Jefferson.
1: Great to be with you, Eric. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's my pleasure. You know, you're like an icon within the industry, so I'm privileged.
1: Whatever I'm paying you, I'm doubling it,
0: Aaron. Oh, no, 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 no. It's on the house. No, just kidding. All right. Hey, with that being said, I gave a brief bio over who you are and your background. Is there any way that you could share a little bit more about yourself and also how you got started in real estate?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, as I say, when I woke up from the concussion, it just seemed like a good idea to buy a mobile home park. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, but seriously, you know, I, I had been working in high tech uh, out here in the San Francisco Bay Area in Silicon Valley for about a decade. I went through the dot com boom and bust and semi resurgence, and I really just decided I wanted to have some stable side income. Uh, and I thought initially, hey, I'll I'll buy an apartment building. Um, I've lived in apartments before, also lived in houses. Of course, apartments seem to be, you know, a little bigger, maybe more leverage. Um, I'm uh, not at all in in Warren Buffett's league as an investor, but I try to be. And he's always said, stay within your circle of competence. So even though I had never owned real estate, I figured apartment buildings must be my circle of competence. Uh, I started looking on websites like LoopNet. And I uh, knew I was not going to find cash flow here in San Francisco. So that was important to me right up front was to not have to feed the, the feed the beast, as it were. I wanted to be fed by <laughs> the beast. I wanted to get cash flow. So I was already looking at it in places like Peoria, Illinois and Lubbock, Texas. And, um, and just in searching again on LoopNet for multifamily properties, I'd see 99 apartment buildings at an eight cap. This was like 2005 pricing. And then there'd be one mobile home at a, you know, 12 cap. And I thought initially, uh, I thought, you know, that's absurd. I'm not buying a friggin' trailer park. Are you kidding? <laughs> I delete the search and look again for more apartment buildings. And I kept getting hit over the head with this, you know, one in a hundred asset multifamily. Asset class that seemed to be priced better, seemed to have a higher cap rate. So I started looking into it. Um, It was pretty obvious pretty quickly why it's such a compelling niche. Of course, when you can find them to buy. Uh, And then I put together really an unofficial advisory board of about 10 guys that were all owners of mobile home parks. So I spent about a total of about a year and a half running deals by them and you know they would say thumbs up or thumbs down or they'd say hey jefferson i don't know but this deal the issue is x you go figure out x and then you're going to know if it's a part to buy so having that unofficial advisory board was great i had certainly read you know all the books and tapes and gone to seminars but having people that were in the game experienced that i could bounce you know quote unquote dumb questions off for me really accelerated my learning um so it took me about a year and a half from when I first got turned on to the space until I closed on that first deal. Um kept kept my day job for about a year then ended up moving into real estate full time and here I am now just coming up on 16 years later and um yeah bought something like 43 parks now.
0: 43 parks that is absolutely amazing and Not too many people can say that (laughs) and bring back those 12 caps. I don't know if you'll ever touch that again, (laughs) but I would love to visit those 12 caps. Yeah, that was an interesting time. and That was in the glory days of mobile home parks in which it wasn't so highly sought after as it is today. You know, the secret wasn't all the way out at that point. And you also mentioned that you were... Investing in these mobile home parks while you were working. Most of our listeners or a lot of our listeners, they have W-2 income and they're looking yep. at either being active within investing or either passive with investing. Can you just share with us a little bit of what life looked like while you were investing and working at the same time?
1: Yeah. So I would travel out to my property I don't know, maybe I went two or three times over that first year. It was a park that had uh, very few park-owned homes, so there was not initially a lot of maintenance uh, to be done, not that I would have done that, but uh, I might've needed to have been out there more frequently inspecting the work, uh, which I ultimately did do. After about a year, as I mentioned, I left my day job and transitioned into real estate full-time. But, uh, yeah, for that first year, I I still had my regular day job, that last startup uh, out here in Silicon Valley. Uh, I would talk with my manager, of course, on the phone. Uh, You know, I I was doing my own bank, uh, sorry, doing my own accounting and, you know, of course, looking up and balancing, you know, reconciling the bank statement, Uh, doing it on QuickBooks. I've um, since grown beyond that. Uh, But that was how I got started. I was doing my own QuickBooks. Uh, I would deal occasionally with vendors. Uh, But again, it was a fairly clean park, so to speak. Virtually all the homes were resident owned. So my on-site manager could handle it. Um, And so again, that was kind of how I got started. Then after a year, when I started doing real estate full-time, I was on-site much, much more, but I was also growing the business uh, then. Um, But to get started, yeah, that that was it. it, I didn't need to be out more than a couple of times over that first year. And just being in regular communication with the manager kept me appraised of what was going on.
0: Yeah, that's one of the benefits of mobile home parks. They're just not too time intensive. And I think that's one of the most intriguing and the draws to that niche and that asset class, because once you convert or convert as many as possible from park-owned homes to those tenant-owned homes, it kind of frees up a lot of the management intensity within that niche of real estate there. So yeah, that's great to hear that you were able to transition and make it out because a lot of our listeners, they're wanting to kind of cross over from being W-2 to actual business owner. So congrats on that, even though it's been forever since you actually made that and reached that achievement there so yep. with you having such vast experience within mobile home parks, could you just share with our listeners what is the major benefits of these parks and maybe just give a few pines about mobile home parks as well?
1: So the couple of things that make this a unique niche, uh, first is that generally the tenants own their own homes. So that means the, those proverbial leaky toilets and leaky roofs are on the tenant. It's the tenant's responsibility to to take care of those uh, those improvements. Um, And as you mentioned, or as I I mentioned, and and you reiterated when I got started in this business, I bought a, a park that had very few park owned homes. They were virtually all resident owned. So it was a much simpler job to have my manager just collect the lot rent. Um, I will say it became much more time intensive. Once I started doing it full time, I was actually bringing in homes uh, and improving the occupancy. So where the industry is now,
0: I would say it's a
1: lot less of a passive investment. Prices are higher. Uh, You've really got to be bringing in homes, renovating homes, finding and fixing water leaks, maybe repaving, uh, maybe replumbing a fair amount of the park. Given where the market is now, it's not as much of a just sit back and relax, totally passive investment. Things were very different in 2007 when I bought my first park. Um, So uh, but just having. Uh, most of the maintenance beyond the tenants uh, is a huge advantage. Uh, something that, that I think makes it far better, for instance, than apartments. Um, second key dynamic here in, in the manufactured housing space uh, is that it is pretty much illegal to build any more mobile home parks. Uh, I use the term illegal in quotes, Um We've seen changes, for instance, uh, in this small town of Slaughterville, Oklahoma, where I bought my first park, Uh, after I started expanding it, the government then passed all kinds of new regulations, and they said uh, in that town that you now have to have, I believe it's about two acres of land per mobile home, or per any kind of housing. Could be an apartment, could be a site-built house. (laughs) Well, the normal density for a mobile home part is you get, say, one acre of land, you put 10 mobile homes on it, you divide up the cost of land, one acre by 10, and with relatively low land costs, you can now provide affordable housing. By saying, no, 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 you can only put one mobile home per two acres, they've increased the the, the cost of land by 20 times, uh, you have to buy 20 times as much land, which means it's just not economic to mm-hmm. ever develop another mobile home park. It's not literally illegal. Uh, that would be, I think, too politically incorrect for, uh, you know, city fathers to say it's illegal. But they they do things like this where they change the density by a factor of 20 to, in fact, make it effectively illegal. So not only in that town will there never be any more mobile home parks, there'll never be any more apartments and there'll never even be any really affordable lower end houses. Um, So they have that town has really outlawed anybody low income living there in any structure of any kind. They also passed a regulation that if you build a mobile home park, you have to put a three foot barrier of land all the way around it. And you have to plant bushes that will grow not less than 12 feet high. And the bushes have to be not more than eight feet apart. Even if you were to build a mobile home park in that town, they don't even want to see it. You got to put up a wall of foliage around it. Just the government regulation is, is mind boggling. Stuff like that happens, though, virtually everywhere in America. Um, so it is effectively illegal, really not economic to build any more mobile home parks. That's, uh, 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 it, once you own a park, if you're in the business, that means your competition is limited. Um, so that makes it a better business than buying an apartment building where for instance, they can always generally still build more apartment buildings in towns, uh, but not more mobile home parks. So that's another key a uh, key thing that makes, I think, mobile home parks better than apartments is the limited competition and, of course, the the limited uh, repair and maintenance uh, bills.
0: OK, great. And is there any cons that you see in regards to mobile home parks, like the downsides, the things that newer investors should know about parks before they actually get involved in the purchasing process of one?
1: Yeah. So do your diligence. Uh, Don't make the mistake that I made. I bought that first park. It was on city water, sorry, private water, well water and a sewage lagoon. And even though I had in writing from the government a document, the uh, Oklahoma Department of Environmental Quality, that very clearly said, you know, sewage lagoon has been inspected and seems to be fine. It wasn't. So it cost me about half a million bucks to rebuild uh, that sewage lagoon. Uh, So I would say certainly for a first timer, do not buy uh, any, uh, buy a park on all public utilities, public water, public sewer. That means you're not gonna have a whoopsie, regardless of what the government may put in writing, you're not gonna have to rebuild your water or sewer infrastructure. So uh, certainly for first-time buyers, again, don't don't buy anything on private utilities. Go with all public. Get some experience in the business, and then, if and when you feel ready, then you can experiment <laughs> and and buy a park uh, that has greater risk. You wouldn't pay the same price. Presumably, you get a park at a lower price that's on private utilities. But you may then decide if it, if it's right for you. But but get your at least one park on, under your belt with all city utilities. So you won't have any risk of, of a major expense like that.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Go on public utilities and not having to deal with the private sector. And it is so much easier. My first park was 100% tenant owned homes, direct build, public you know, utilities, so it was really pretty turnkey for me. And so it helped
1: out significantly. You're already off to a to a better start than I got, Eric. Good for uh, yeah, you. Well, be, yeah, I'm way I behind. Should, I should be interviewing you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm way behind. Hey, with that being said, you know, mobile home parks, there's not a ton of them within the nation. I've heard a quote of that there's somewhere close to about 40,000 parks within the nation, maybe 50,000, somewhere close to about that. How do you feel about, you know, the industry? Do you think it has a great future for investors to come in and make a good career at investing in mobile home parks?
1: In general, yes. Uh, The dynamic now is uh, you have a few very deep pocketed Wall Street type firms like uh, BlackRock and Blackstone. Uh, and some others that have bought some really large trophy properties. Um, you have some other funds that are acquiring more sort of medium sized parks. So if you're an individual investor, it's more likely that you'll be buying what's left, which is going to be almost certainly an under 100 pad park, um, so we haven't seen a lot of consolidation. With with uh, certainly, again, the Blackstones and Black Rocks of the world aren't coming in and and buying a forty space park in you know Tuscaloosa. Um, so there, I think, will continue to be opportunity. Generally, smaller parks. Again, it's getting harder to find bigger ones. Those are going at a higher price. Um, so it's all kind of risk reward and. Uh, uh, if you're going to say, "Hey, I just want to be buying parts 100 spaces and up," you can do that. Just understand you're going to be paying a, a lower cap rate, a higher price to get uh, to get that done. So the business, the uh, business in that way has changed. And again, as you pointed out, I don't know exactly, but as I sort of alluded to earlier, looking on LoopNet, there are probably about a hundred apartment buildings out there for every single. Mobile home park. Mm -hmm. So, um, if for instance you're somebody saying, Hey, I want to be able to drive to my properties, I only want to buy something within two hours of my house, uh, it's a lot more likely that you're maybe you should be investing in apartments because there just may not be that many mobile home parks within an hour or two of your house. We buy nationwide, Uh, we've bought as far away as Florida and Alaska. uh, anyway, so we're 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 more able to go anywhere, and we've kind of got our team and our systems, and I think we do a pretty good job of managing even from 3,000 miles away. Uh, but again, first timers, uh, hopefully you'll be you know, if this is something that that seems to be right for you. Hopefully you'll be able to, to find something within uh, reasonable proximity. But don't be surprised if if there isn't, and then again, you can consider: do you want to buy farther away from home? Or do you maybe want to buy an apartment building or duplex, quadplex, something like that closer to home?
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And that's kind of been the catalyst for me here recently. There's an influx of investors within the market trickling into the mobile home park space. And so, you know, I've been finding it a little bit saturated for me. And so I've made the pivot into apartments recently. And now, hey, if it's a slam dunk deal that comes down the pipeline, I'll take it on. but. I've been looking at more apartments, multifamily on that side, but that's still some great sage advice, kind of staying under that hundred unit count to avoid the big guys that's kind of coming in and trying to consolidate the space there. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Jefferson, we're going to turn the page here and start coming to a conclusion, but we always like to have our guests do a little bit of coaching or give some advice and, oh, and you're perfect for that. (laughs) So I've got a few questions. You kind of answered a few of them already. I'll still ask you a couple of them. If you could hold your response to between one to two minutes per question, that'd be great. I will try. Okay. Sounds great. Hey, so first question is, what is something you wish you would have known before you started investing in real estate?
1: Probably that I could have done it earlier. The mistakes that I've made is I I waited too long. I moved too slow. It took me too long to raise capital and grow beyond just my own capital base. I bought my first two parks with my own net worth. Beyond that, I needed to raise outside capital. I could and should have started doing all of that at least five years sooner. So that's, um, that's my advice. Get started soon. Get into the game uh figure it out as quickly as you can and probably you'll be able to grow faster than you might be thinking.
0: Great, great. Hey, next question is if a person had a very limited amount of time because of W2 income or another business, what could they do to start a successful business like yours?
1: Buy a park that has uh, again, uh, mostly resident owned homes, low maintenance, all city utilities make it make it easy on yourself. Um, I'd also encourage folks to think critically about the work that they're doing and think about what amount of that work, either for real estate or for whatever their day job or other business might be, what might get outsourced. Because the key thing is to free up time and work on your business, not in it. So uh, I no longer do that QuickBooks bookkeeping. (laughs) I still spend too much time working in the business, but I'm not, at least I'm not doing that. I'm focusing more on hiring people uh, to really run it for me. So make it, uh, try and make yourself irrelevant. When you're irrelevant to your business, you're a huge success when it just runs on its own. That's that's everybody's goal.
0: (laughs) All right. I'm soaking this up. I'm going to review this video for myself. (laughs) All right. Hey, next question is, if a person had very little cash and experience, what would you recommend for them to do to become an active
1: syndicator? You know, I know a guy who got started in this business uh, buying and rehabbing and then flipping mobile homes in somebody else's mobile home park. Uh, If you find the right person to partner with who owns the park, they might give you free rent. They might even give you a home for free. And maybe you do the work and you flip it. That's how you can get started with a thousand bucks or a couple thousand bucks. Uh, And that's really the hardest part of this business is dealing with the homes that you are inevitably going to own. Uh, That person then ultimately, I think, got to about 50 mobile homes that he had fixed and flipped and then started buying mobile home parks, obviously the land, Uh, so he graduated that way. So this business, if you find the right person to start with, you know, again, you can get into it on the home side of things for a thousand bucks, couple thousand bucks, work your way up then maybe to a modest acquisition of, you know, might be a quarter million or a half million bucks for your first park. Maybe you need 50 grand, maybe a hundred grand down you've got then some of that capital, you've got industry experience, and you can then probably from friends and family, you know, raise another 50 grand from friends and family, put it with yours. And from that point, you're you're doing it. You just scale up and do another deal the next year that's bigger and, you know, the next and the next.
0: And that's pretty much how I got into the space and discovered it. I was following a gentleman that he worked in mobile homes. And so I became aware through mobile homes about mobile home parks. And one thing led to another, I was end up buying a park and now we have 111 units under management. So no great strategy there. Final question is what's the best way to connect with limited partners to invest within your syndications?
1: Uh, Just come onto our website at parkavenuepartners.com. And I believe right top center is a button that simply says, join our mailing list. So join it and give us your email. We don't sell email addresses. Uh, We don't spam. Honestly, I probably need to do a better job of emailing out to that list. It's probably only every other month uh, that I send out an email. So you won't get spammed. You can unsubscribe anytime. But But by joining our mailing list, uh, you'll be appraised of our next fund, uh, which we think will be coming up in late 2023 this year. Uh, you'll be appraised of various deals that we're buying. You'll get to know us a bit. So just head over to parkavenuepartners.com. Join the mailing list right at the top of the homepage.
0: Yeah, definitely reach out to Jefferson. He's a great guy. He's been around for a long time. I have a long-term friend, Ryan Narris, that he thinks the world of you. Yeah, so guys- Thank did- you, Ryan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So reach out to uh, Jefferson. He's a great guy. Thanks for those answers to those questions. We definitely appreciate that. You know, we really value your insight. And I was thrilled to death when you decided to come on to the show. So, yeah, we count this a privilege and an honor to have you joining in today. Before we conclude, I want to give you the opportunity to share how can people reach out to you and connect and work with you if someone wants to reach out?
1: Yeah. So, again, the the parkavenuepartners.com website. I'll also mention uh, we run, um, uh, check out the website mobilehomeparkinvestors.com. That in turn will link you through to our LinkedIn group. Uh, I run the biggest group on LinkedIn, about 6,800 members now. Uh, we trade tips and tricks, operational insights uh, there on that LinkedIn group. Uh, we also publish uh, you can subscribe if you want to our industry calendar of events and just pull that right into your your your, your cell phone or your computer. Uh, I do uh, put in upcoming events and things. So if you subscribe to the industry calendar there, you'll get that. I believe there's then also a link to me uh, on LinkedIn. So join me there. Uh, but again, that's mobilehomeparkinvestors.com and parkavenuepartners.com.
0: Okay. Great. Great. There you have it, guys. Definitely reach out to them, connect. And Jefferson, once again, thanks for coming on to the show. We'd love to have you
1: back anytime. Have me back. I look forward to it, Eric. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Diversify Business Show with Eric Lindsay. Please make sure to give us a five-star review, subscribe to this channel, and share this podcast with someone that is destined for business success. And until next time, let's keep pursuing financial security, not job security.